because we loved us some brisk. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I used to drink that stuff because of those commercials. The raspberry. That's, that's the brisk, goodness. baby. Yeah, yeah, the raspberry stuff was good. I don't know why I hit record before I said that, but this is great for the intro. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode, I got it finally straight, 161. Wow. This is Dave. This is Barry. Ethan would have been here, but he had better things to do, namely going to TIFF, which I couldn't blame him even Good a little him. bit. No, yes. He has a great time. Heck yeah, so I'm sure he'll have a heck of a report next week. We might have an, an Ethan-centric episode. No, not next... Well, maybe next week. We'll see. I think most episodes we have him on are Ethan-centric episodes, wow. I would say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, then. A good thing, though. A yeah, good thing. yeah, yeah, exactly. He is the talent of Screen Geeks Radio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what he thinks. <laughs> hey yo. All right, so uh, let's just talk about what we watched over the past week. We talked beforehand, and it's going to be a pretty short list. I'll let you go first, sir. I saw a film I really enjoyed, a little art film. It was it barely played in the springtime. It's with David High Pierce. It's called The Perfect Host. Hmm. Um, if you don't know what the film is, I'd say just to gauge if you're interested in the film, look at the theatrical poster. That kind of sums up the film perfectly. It's essentially about a guy who robs a bank. He's, he's wounded. He's looking for a place just to stay for a while to kill some time. So he uh, busts into this rich guy's house, played by David Hyde Pierce, and it becomes a cat and mouse game between the two of them. I don't want to give anything away. I'll say that the, the beginning is a little clunky, and the ending isn't completely plausible. But this is one of these films where it, it's kind of a, a series of unexpected scenes. And it initially you think, okay, I see where this is going there they set it up really nicely but the third act has some really crazy crazy plot twists and Hyde Pierce's performance you know of course best known as Niles Crane on Frasier yeah he's spectacular it really is worth seeing but primarily because his performance is so good and the film takes some really interesting turns at this at the screenplay level so I do recommend seeing that and then last night uh Jules and I we had Cody over and Cody had never <laughs> seen the people under the stairs <laughs> nice. so we watched that. yeah he, he thoroughly enjoyed it I think it's still one of the better uh, Wes Craven films I do yeah. not everything works no question but it's very intense it's very strange it's very sick uh, but it also is very as we mentioned the, the satire and the social commentary is pretty rich I mean it's it's definitely one of the more intriguing and more risk taking movies that, that Craven made and it's almost 20 years old now and I think it holds up really well right on so cool. hopefully they'll they'll never get around to remaking it hopefully not one can hope because a rem- oh that would be bad you know they're gonna though <laughs> they oh. will they'll remake that they're still talking about remaking They Live which still breaks my heart Okay. Well, whatever. I, wow. Okay. I'll do the one good thing I watched this week, and that was rewatching Nerdcore Rising on Netflix. It's just a fun movie, documentary about MC Front a lot, and it is a fun, good time. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I finally finished freaking Torchwood. Torchwood. So glad it's over. So hope they don't renew it because it was such a stupid show. That's too bad. It made no sense. It flew in the in the face of any continuity they'd built beforehand. The acting was horrible. The story was horrible. The writing was horrible. There was nothing really good about this. <laughs> you can't say one good thing about it? I really can't. They, I mean, they completely <laughs> oh, bastardized the character of Captain Jack Harkness. Before, he was omnisexual, I will say. Like, if it's walking, he's interested, pretty much. Gotcha. In this, they pretty much turned him completely gay, which, you know, I don't care if they make the character straight gay, whatever. Whatever he is, whatever he is, keep it consistent, people. That's all I ask, and they couldn't do that. So, it, it was like... I don't know. It was like, let's torture Captain Jack for for Russell T. Davies' sick, twisted pleasure or something. And it it, it wasn't good. Like, if you have a chance to watch it, don't. Was it, do you think they're trying to make it like all things to all people? I think they think that uh, U.S. people can't handle the concept of Torchwood or Russell T. Davies went to the BBC and said, hey, we want to make, I want this is what I want to do next. And they're like, we're not paying for this. If you can get some other sucker to kick in on it, okay. Mm. That's how it feels to me. That's too bad. Crap. And speaking of crap, um, you know, Steph was out of town for a few days, so I'm strolling through Netflix. What am I going to watch? This, this, is, this, this doesn't is, sound good. Oh, man. I should have stopped at Saw 6. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no. The lot, the final chapter was on Netflix. Ah. I've got nothing to do. Yikes. And it was so... like, call. I, you can look at the Saw series as films that are all about the gore and nothing else. I think this film proves that the rest of the series isn't that because that's all this movie was about. There was nothing redeeming about this movie at all whatsoever. It was crap through and through. But Carrie Owens is back. And? And Sean Patrick Flannery with one N is back. Yeah. I. Yeah. It, it, it is it's interesting, such a though, bad movie. how they turned that whole series into like one big gory soap opera. 
Yeah, because it's like there's flashbacks and flashbacks within flashbacks, and it's all about keeping the characters straight. And no question, like I, I felt this way about Saw Six and certainly Saw Seven. It's like if you just walk in not knowing anything, you'll figure it out because there are so many flashbacks. You cannot possibly but be in the those dark. Those are so easily the two worst movies of the series, too. That's mm. the funny part of it all. Like after five, the series doesn't exist. Now, granted, I'm never going to go back and watch these movies ever again as it is. I was like, oh, how bad can it be? Unfortunately, I discovered just how bad they can be. It's pretty wretched, and I love that they actually flashbacked. It's like they flashbacked to my favorite scene in Saw 6, not in terms of it being good, but being how funny it is. You know, this the scene where the, the, you know, the movie opens up with the woman uh, slices off a piece of her arm, and then the opening credits, and then she's in the hospital, and they go, what happened to you? She's like, I cut off my arm. And then they flash back to the scene we just saw five minutes yeah. early. Like, we're so stupid, we can't remember what this woman just said. Well, they flash back to that scene in, in Saw 7. So it's like the yeah. contempt for the audience, who they assume are just complete morons, continues. Well, the opening scene, like, out in the public square or whatever with the two oh, guys. so dumb. That was something out of Final <laughs> Destination, honestly. Like, actually, it makes Final Destination look smart. They keep running out of ideas for these movies, frankly. And and for Pete's sake, the traps. I mean, it's like it's like a ride at Disneyland. They are so elaborate. They are yeah. so ridiculously, like, huge and expensive. And, you know, we're, we're supposed to believe that they can, you know, just the logic of these things. And I'm not asking for, you know, like grounded reality logic, but at least, at least some sort of believability. But it's not there. And in 2, 4, and 5, I, I honestly couldn't tell you any of the traps in any of those movies because I can compartmentalize those away. And remember the character study that there was. Hmm. This movie, there was no character development at all whatsoever. It was yeah. pure just trap to trap to trap to trap. And it was crap. Well, I remember, I think, it, wasn't it in this movie where there's like a, uh, where they, they have like a group meeting where they sit in a circle and they talk about being survivors of Jigsaw? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I love that because I felt like, man, I want to join this group. Because after yeah. sitting through Saw 6 and 7. You feel like you, you should get a car. I got dibs. I yeah. want, yeah, yeah. 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 My name is uh, Barry, and I survived Saw 6 and 7. Hi, Barry. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, such crap. Garbage. It, so not worth your time. So, yeah. but now you're a completist. Now you've seen all the Saw movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So, um... Well, somewhere our friend Josh is smiling, so good for you, yeah, Dave. Yeah, because we, we took the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really done talking about that. I'm just... Let's talk about what hit theaters this weekend, because... Uh, in theaters this weekend, the critically acclaimed Drive, starring Ryan Gosling, a critically acclaimed performance by Albert Brooks and the wonderful Carrie Mulligan. You seen it yet? No. I have not seen it yet. I will be. I'm sure by the time this airs, I will see Drive. I'm dying to see this thing. It's supposed to be so good. Uh, I don't know how she does it. Indeed. Keep getting work, yes. How does she keep making these stupid movies? Because she's talented. You know, I've gone back and I've looked at Ed Wood and Honeymoon in Vegas and L.A. Story. She's good. She's really, really good. But Sarah Jessica Parker, man, she keeps making these... These completely missable movies. Also mm-hmm. in theaters. Wow. The Lion um. King in 3D, but also in 2D. You know, that, I appreciate that. So people who just want to see it again on the big screen, they can do that without having to put it on those stupid glasses, which I think is great. I yeah. think that's a really cool option. I'm go. actually tempted. Actually tempted. I haven't seen The Lion King since it was in theaters, honestly. I saw I, it twice the summer it came out, and that was it. I'm not the biggest fan of the movie, so I'm like, no, you yeah, don't like The Lion it's, King? It's okay. Just, yeah, it's okay. Like Bambi in the jungle? No? Pretty much, yeah. No? Kind of, yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Jungle? Is it a jungle or is it a desert? How? It's Africa. It's Africa, so it's, it's a little... Okay. Yeah. What else we got? Straw, straw Dogs. Ugh, the Rod Lurie remake of Straw Dogs. Yeah, James Harry, Marsden. Have you read Harry Knoll's review? That over at Ain't It Cool? That was it brutal. Was pretty brutal. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because everybody's split on this thing. Yeah. You know, the review's been really split. Like, like Ebert loves this film. Loves really? It. In fact, he said he thought it was better than the original. Wow. Isn't that something? And uh, the review... Uh, excuse me. The, the, the performance by James Woods has gotten terrific reviews. And I love okay. James Woods. And apparently this is like one of the essential Woods performances according to even critics who don't like this film so i don't know i don't want to see it because you know i think like most people i'm just against the idea that they even made a remake of yeah. peck and paul straw dogs but i gotta say i'm curious because so. i don't see james marsden i don't see making the same transformation as dustin hoffman you no. don't buy dustin hoffman as a tough guy in any way shape or form right marsden at least has the build for it and you know and it, Mm-mm. This goes back to, you probably remember this, at one point, I know this because I've been looking at all this Ridley Scott stuff preparing for my class next semester, uh, Dustin Hoppen was up for the role of Deckard in, in Blade Runner. Wow. They're actually talking about it. You actually see sketches of what he lo- would have looked like in those costumes and those sets. And it's such an interesting idea. And, you know, that would have been completely wrong for Hoppen. It would have been a completely different movie. But, no, you're right. Hoffman is perfect for Straw Dogs because of the point that Peck and Paw wanted to make. But I completely agree with you, Dave. I think Marsden, it just seems like the wrong.
wrong person to insert in that role, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like maybe, uh, maybe like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Or, I could see that. You know, or uh, <laughs> or or uh, Jesse Eisenberg or, or Michael Sarah. You know, one <laughs> of those guys. I think like, even like 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 even um, shoot, how am I? Uh, John Cusack could even probably pull sure, it off. Sure, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Guys who we think like th- these guys would back down from a fight because they're too smart for that, you know? Yeah. Whereas like Marsden, I mean, I mean, how many superheroes does this guy play exactly. now? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see any of these? I did not. Oh, I'm sorry. No, last thing. Limited released a new film by Gus Van Sant, Restless, which stars the son of Dennis Hopper, supposed to be really good, and uh, Mia Wasikowska, who. All right. Uh, she I've, keeps popping up all over the place keeps, just for you. She gets a lot of work, and I've yet to see her give a great performance. But I'm, I'm waiting for you, Mia. I really am. There you go. All right, what's going out in, on, on home video this Tuesday? One of the funniest films of the year, certainly one of the biggest surprise hits of the summer, uh, Bridesmaids, with Kristen Wiig and a number of other talent actresses, including Melissa McCarthy, who I swear she's got a shot at Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. I want her to get a get a nod. I'd love that. Castle, season three, good stuff. Yes. I like the development of the show. And season four starts on Monday. I can't Ooh, wait. Good stuff, yeah, yeah. Man, that cliffhanger was good. I got to say, I have not stopped thinking about that. Dumbo, one of the great Disney animated films, even with those stereotypical crows. I still like Dumbo. I do. I, I think Dumbo's a beautiful film. A little misstep here and there, but it's certainly not the Song of the South. That's another episode entirely. Uh, but I, I but we've already it. done twice. So yes, yeah. we have. Yes, yeah. we have. And I think yeah. we said more than I've both Song of the South. But I, I like Dumbo. Do you like Dumbo? I or? do. I do. Yeah, especially the the Parade of the Elephants. Love that scene. The, the, the stoner trippy scene that they put in the Disneyland ride. That like the only way the Disneyland ride is worth riding is if you're completely stoned or tripping acid. I mean, like. Going on that ride, I, I I now have an idea of what being on acid must be like because that ride was so weird and awful. <laughs> you know, I I thought it was weird enough without any 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 helps of any drugs at all. I I agree. I thought it was very very strange. There's a lot of good sequences in this film. I love the sequence where they actually put it. You see them putting the tents together, and you see the guys like pounding the stakes into yeah. the ground. And this is probably one of the first films I ever saw that really made me understand how a circus is run and and what an elaborate process it is. I don't know how I went from Dumbo to the Winnie the Pooh ride. I don't know. That was my bad. Completely just. The Heffalump is just so trippy. It reminds me of the Winnie the Pooh ride at Disneyland, <laughs> and it makes me upset that they took out Country Bears for that. So, But that's just Disney fanboy. Country, you know what? I haven't seen the Country Bears movie yet. Have you? No. Because Christopher Walken's in it. I want to see that, man. I want to see Christopher Walken be like, hey, you bears. What are you doing here, you bears? I want to see I that. hit the uncomfortable hunk of metal. Wait. Wait, wait. No, <laughs> Let me man. tell you bears a story. Come here, bears. <laughs> and what else we got? Uh... Oh, that's it. That's it. Okay, cool. All right, I guess we'll move on to the news, which apparently oh, I no, have. No, 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 no. no. I'm Did sorry. Did we miss something? Forgive me. Yes, we got we got just a few more. I'm sorry. And you you made a point to tell me this. I'm sorry, Dave. Terry Pratchett going postal. Yes, available on DVD. And then on Blu-ray, one of my favorite films of the of the past ten years, The Others, the the Alejandro Amenabar yep. horror film with Nicole Kidman and Vamp from 1986, starring the glorious Grace Jones. Indeed, indeed. And apparently, I've got the news this week. So you do. So let's we'll, just, we'll just go through it. Um, yep. I'll just start off with the big one for me: the Rec Three Genesis trailer. Uh, I, I wouldn't let you watch it because you haven't seen Rec Two yet, which you're going to borrow for your October horror movie. Thank you. Marathon. I'll let you borrow both one. of them on Blu-ray if you want, just okay. to get the complete freak out and make Julia watch it, and she won't sleep for a week. Oh, she's not watching Rec. No <laughs> way. No way. But I'll watch it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but this trailer looks interesting. It's a, it's going to be apparently a, a prequel and a sequel, uh, talking about the origin, how the how things started with the zombies. I'm not going to spoil anything if you haven't seen Rec. If you have, you need to. Uh, it looks interesting. It could be good or bad. I don't know. I'm I'm a little hesitant. Hmm. Question: Have you seen Quarantine yet? No. I because I've heard it's very good. Our buddy Greg on Maui, he's he's been telling me that I got to see Quarantine because he, he he begged me to see Wreck. I finally saw Wreck. I dug it, and he's like, "You got to see Quarantine." I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I haven't heard anything good from anyone. That's that's the one guy. That, that Greg's the guy. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'll check it out. Yeah, a lot of people will consider it pretty significantly inferior to the original film. So okay. I'm at some point, I'm sure I'll see it. I mean, I watched Saw 7. Come on, I'll get to quarantine <laughs> at some point. I'm sure, well, it'll be on Netflix, sure It enough. might be already. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Um, let's see. Speaking of Netflix, that was a very good segue, ah, sir. Um, yeah. yeah there, it came out this past week or so that uh, Netflix is anticipating a 1 million subscriber drop. 1 million? Due to the uh, price wow. increase. They're saying, oh, it's no big deal because everyone else is paying for the increased prices, whereas everyone else is going, you idiots, you're, you're, you're just letting a million customers just walk a away like it's customers. nothing. I, oh. It's very cavalier of them. It is. It is. They've essentially said, we stand by our, uh, what we've done. We stand by our choices. 
Um, we probably should have played up the fact that you can still pay the same amount as you have before if you drop one of the plans or, you know, do something to give you an option as opposed to saying, here, bend over and pay for two plans now. They I didn't hate it when anybody asked me to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> bend over and pay this. Yes. <laughs> Moon River. Okay. Um. Yes. And, oh, you know, Tommy Wiseau just won't go away. Oh, hi, Mark. And, uh... <laughs> Apparently, Machinima is dot uh, com is giving him a web show that's going to be part video game reviews and pop culture stuff, and part him fighting alien invaders. I have no idea what this is. The trailer just looks weird. Like, I I'm relevant to your interests. That's all it says, and I have no idea what this is going to be. This is I don't know if this can go off. Likewise, Dave. I mean, my question was after you showed me that trailer was, what does he know about this stuff? And I'm not. And the thing is, I've never had a conversation with Tommy Wiseau. I'm not one of the lucky ones, so I don't know. I mean, for all I know, Dave, this guy could be like a total intellectual. He could be totally hip. He could be like one of us. But I have no idea. So I'm assuming because of his film prowess, let's put it that way, that he doesn't know anything about any of this stuff. So it's not clear if other people are going to do the reviews or if they're going to try to have him review video games. If they do, it could be entertaining on a very special level. If they do like the new Ebert show, where it's like real legit people doing the real legit. Work and, and then he's fighting off the fighting. Yeah, the and he's just showing up being a total clown. That might work. That yeah, could work. I, I don't know. And you know, and I got to give this guy a break because I've only seen the room, obviously, and he made that years ago. So for well, all you I seen know, the tra- well, you didn't see the the, the house that dripped blood on. Alex I have seen that trailer. I have. Okay. So for I, I'm assuming. No, you, have you seen the full short though? No, just the trailer. Just the blood it's about dripping on, on going, it's a, ah, it's yeah. about on par with the room. Oh, okay. All right. And then you got the, the what is it, the neighbors or something like that, that T V show. That's right, was, the sitcom he was yeah. working on. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know. Maybe he's just playing off the fact that he's known as this guy who makes these campy, mediocre movies. Maybe he actually has something to offer. Maybe this will be a good talk show. Who knows? For me, it's a big question mark. Is it because I'm I'm looking at that. I'm gonna check it out. And I'm yeah, and I'm assuming like you are that it's gonna be pretty terrible, but who knows? It could be terribly entertaining. Yeah. I it hope it be. lasts. I mean, the guy the guy clearly needs work, and we need to. <laughs> we don't want the room too. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's come thought on, about it. Come on, Johnny is a ghost. Come on, I don't want that, it, man. I don't dude, want the room too. That would I really be special. I don't want a sequel to that movie. I think the room needs to remain its special entity. It, it, there are no questions to be answered. You don't think? No questions. I'm I'm more than satisfied. I don't want you, you don't you don't want to see a flashback to young tiny flunking biology class. It's like no, it's done. It's not the belly button. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to know what happened to Denny. I don't care. I don't care to know. I don't care to know why he has like so many freaking roses in every scene. I don't want to know. I don't okay. care. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've yeah. We need to give him a job. Keep him steadily employed so he does not have to think about. I should do a sequel. No. Yeah. No, no yeah. sequel for you, Tommy. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, moving on, there's been an interview with Bruce Campbell, and he said that, yes, he's going to have a cameo, apparently, but no, it's not going to be Ash. As a matter of fact, the character of Ash is not even going to appear in the film. I'm kind of okay with this choice, because so he kind of made this, he made that role his mm-hmm. so significantly and so definitively yeah. that I don't think we need to have someone else trying to step into those shoes. I agree with you, Dave. I agree. I think that yeah, if they're going to make it its own entity and have it a separate thing and not just simply try to redo the first one and just capture the glory of the first one, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So good, I'm kind good, of okay with it, honestly. Good call. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see. The last couple of things I've got are just goofy fun. Uh, the pig with a froggy tattoo trailer, because we haven't seen these one of these spoof trailers from the Muppets in a while. This is pretty good. It's pretty ingenious, I got to say. And I like that they're acknowledging already what an iconic and what a striking trailer the dragon tattoo one is. I mean, that's it's probably going to be one of the great trailers of the last 10 years, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very memorable. Even people who hate it have not forgotten it. And I think the Muppet the Muppet thing, oh, they just they did a brilliant job spoofing it and also kind of like just tipping their tipping their hat to it. They did. They did indeed. And speaking of David Fincher, the, the second piece of Fincher-related news is the, the goon test footage that came up, the PSA. I don't know how this movie is still looking for funding. I don't understand that. Yeah. With how big zombies are and how good, how, how just how unique this still looks, I want to see this. I'm going to go find the comics. I have to. It can't be all that expensive because it's not like they're hiring Jim Carrey to do the voice of the goo. I mean, this is Clancy Brown and Paul Giamatti. They already have the concept. They've already clearly have a vision for this thing. You know, David Fincher's name is going to be attached to it. It's like this. It kind of seems like, like a, a license to print money. It exactly. It does. It seems like a like a no lose situation. Even if it flops, it's going to make a ton on DVD. Yeah. Well, I mean, granted, this is going to be end up if they were to make this properly. I'm either they're going to have to keep the keep the bleeps in, which could be entertaining in its own own way, like they're early years of South Park or they're going to have to make it art rated R 
which I could see a studio being a little gun shy about doing an animated R-rated film. But still, I want to see this. And this will, it'll be rare too. It, it'll be it'll stick out the way Sin City did. I mean, an R-rated comic book movie. Yeah, yeah. So, who knows? Uh, finally, we have got we are less than a month from festival season hitting us, sir. Have you Boy, realized this? It hit me this week. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's coming. It's uh, really coming. Man, yeah, coming up October seventh through the ninth, uh, the Mile High Horror Fe- Film Festival is going to be going into full gear, and they've got a heck of a lineup already. They're going to be doing the Colorado premiere of The Woman, which. We've talked about it. I'm, I'm I can't say I'm excited to see it, but I know it's going to challenge me. Yep. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a lot of you know some of the best films do that. So I'm willing to give it a chance. There's a lot of great looking short films in it. There's all kinds of stuff coming up. We're going to try to get some interviews going on. Uh, we've got Michael Berryman, who is what else? He's been in a ton of stuff. He, he was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was one of the inmates. He was in The Hills of Eyes, the original. I can't remember if he was in the sequel or not. Um, I believe he's in Weird Science. Uh, he's one of these guys you would certainly know more for his appearance than his performances. If nobody in the world looks like this guy, he's a he's got a real distinct presence and uh, clearly a really good sense of humor about it. But he's going to be there the Friday night of the thing. Last year it went a Friday night and all day Saturday. This year it's Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. And the interesting thing is it's not like a conventional festival where it, multiple screenings for multiple movies and everything. It's you got you sit in front of one screen for two and a half days. Like if you have to go, you're going to miss something. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to be up. We're going to be up there for as much as we can. Try to interview people and get a bit more coverage than we did last year. Well, like last year it was it was the inaugural year. They did a fine job, but you know it was it was a very uh, let's just say um, the enthusiasm was there, but no question it, the attendance wasn't huge. It was it was kind of a light going. But I mean this year with the unrated cut of I saw the devil showing there, Michael Lerner who played Michael Myers in Halloween, the Curse of Michael Myers is going to be there. I mean it, it's one of the like, one of the co- oh shoot is it Dan Wyrick? Yeah, right. One of the guys who created Final Destination. N- uh, no, uh, Blair Witch Project. I'm sorry, the Blair Witch Project, and uh, I think also one of the guys who did Final Destination okay. is going to be, be. Too. I think Could so be. too yeah I mean it, they got a real big lineup apparently they're still announcing it so it's yeah they've already sold out of the, the all access passes which is outstanding it's it means great. it shows really the quality of this festival honestly oh yeah because yeah. last year it may have been a bit under attended but word of mouth got around and and you know and, and Dave and I couldn't stop talking about how classy it was, how how well produced it was, and and how accessible it was. I mean, it, it was it was yeah. it was just terrific. Tim Schultz and the entire group there, Teresa and I, Tim and Teresa were the only ones we talked to last year, but they ran the thing like clockwork. They couldn't have been friendlier and more helpful. I mean, it's we can't yeah. get behind in this thing. This enough. is a, you're right. It's a very sharp, very well produced festival, and it, it it looks like this year is just going to knock it out of the ballpark. Yeah, and then like less like a month after that, it's the Stars Festival, the Denver International Film Festival. I can't yeah. wait to see what we're going to end up seeing at that one. Craziness is coming. I can't wait. It's kind of like Christmas early. <laughs> yeah. Well, by Christmas we're going to be so movied out. Yeah. Yeah. We might have to take a break just to. Look, I'm not watching anything else, dude. I don't care. But at the end of the film festival, my eyes are always very tired. I always feel like just overwhelmed because, you know, you, you work hard to see as many of these films as you can and to interview as many of these cool people as you can. But, yeah, when it's over, around the time like Christmas, I'm just like, oh, man. And, like, and plus, you, you end up seeing all the big holiday movies because they, they usually premiere at the fest. Yeah, yeah. Well, And the nice thing is that both of these festivals tend to end up giving us the opportunity to see stuff via screener, which helps quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, they really make it easy on us, and and certainly they make it. They just they give such a huge, huge variety of films for for the audience as we go there. I mean, like we we saw so many. I mean, we we ended off with with Rombach last year. I mean, a, a yeah. German zombie film, and then we also saw uh, a zombie western. We saw that great film about about cannibalism in high school. I mean, some really like off the wall, but really original things that I had not seen anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very excited for the, the Mile High Horror Film Festival. We're probably gonna I'm pr- gonna try to get an interview up and online with Tim Schultz, the director director uh hopefully the next couple weeks and great yeah we're gonna have i'm guessing i'm hoping we're gonna have plenty of content i'm bringing the field recorder this year because last year we didn't know what to expect we just didn't so this time we do we know it's gonna be good yes so um you know since chris put up such a such a great voicemail last week we're, we're gonna kick it over to Janja, and then we'll be back to talk about our favorite film experiences we will be right back thanks dave great show at Janja.net. that's j-o-n-j-a we have everything to satisfy your sci-fi fan needs. If you look at this chart comparing... What do you mean there's no video? They're screen geeks. They don't have a screen? Well, how am I supposed to... I hired a Cylon to tell everyone about the discussions of sci-fi television movies past and present. I guess I won't be needing you. You can leave. I command. 
Come on, I had Nichelle Nichols beam in to talk about our long list of exclusive interviews, including Zachary Quinto, Amanda Tapping, and the crew of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Hailing frequencies are always open at JeanJ.net. Never mind, Miss Nichols. Thanks for coming in. I don't believe this. Oh, great. Now here comes my special guest to tell people about Johnza.net's Flash Arcade. Forget it, man. They can't even see you. Oh, well. Maybe everyone will find their way over to Johnza.net to see and hear everything for themselves. Thanks for watch- listening. Now back to Screen Geeks. And we're back to talk about our best movie-going experiences. Dave and I spent a lot of time in a movie theater, and, well, we've uh, we've had some experiences that have been good <laughs> and bad, so uh, we thought we'd share the best ones that we've had and kind of an optimistic note and a way to look back at our, our favorite, fondest times in a darkened movie theater. I've only got one bad one, so... Oh, well, let's start with that then. Okay, well, do you have a couple bad ones you oh, want to bring sure. up? Okay, sure. Mine was going to a preview screening. I think this was the first preview screening I ever went to. It was here in town. They were doing a preview for Volcano. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> My parents, I got in line like three hours early. So I, I was the first one in line, except for all the radio people who brought people in. And I was like, what? Because I didn't understand how things went. Mm-hmm. My parents got there like an hour and a half, two hours early. And they were coming specifically just to cheer as L.A. was swallowed by a volcano and, <laughs> and dropped into lava. Yeah. And that movie was so bad. Like the the rep was like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "I think you owe me money, even though I got, even though I saw this for free." <laughs> and it was just so horrific. The, there wasn't anyone who thought it was good. It was just such a bad experience. It's like waiting that long and then for that, really, for the glowing <sighs> cheese dip. Yeah. 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 What about you, sir? Uh, my father and I. Well, there was a point where the island of Maui only had about three movie theaters: two in the town of Kahului, and then one in uh, Lahaina, which is a three-hour drive from my house. And the one in Lahaina was the first movie theater on Maui to have three screens, the first multiplex. So it was kind of a big deal. And they would have a lot of the big summer movies. So whenever we drive all the way down there and the movie was a stinker, that was always a sad, sad situation. But, you know, we're big movie fans. And, I mean, we thought that Alien 3 and Hudson Hawk were going to be amazing. <laughs> so we drove all the way to see it. But the one that always comes to mind in terms of just, just a genuinely bad movie-going experience, I probably talked about it on this show once before. My brother and my father and I, we went and saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer at, okay. the, at the Lahaina Cinema. And it was a matinee showing, and there was this girl sitting directly behind us, only other person in the theater. And apparently, I'm guessing she was like this this tourist girl who like didn't want to do any of the cool stuff in Hawaii, so she just wanted to like go to a movie. Well, she must have seen this thing at least three times because she knew all the dialogue which she recited throughout the film, even the dumb dialogue that didn't have to do oh. anything. Like, got any gum? Like dialogue that that had totally inconsequential to the plot, and she recited it throughout the entire film. And the three of us didn't say anything to her because we assumed that we were the only ones that heard her. And it wasn't until after the movie, I think my brother said, God, that girl was so annoying. We're like, oh, you heard her too? Oh, man. <laughs> so it's one of these things that we always remember that movie. Like, Not only was the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, stupid and underwhelming, you know, with all due respect to Joss Whedon. I you know, like and, it, but I understand. Yeah. Well, there's no question. I've watched it since, and there are things about it I enjoy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that experience <laughs> is pretty pretty rotten because, you know, it was like having Buffy sitting behind us. And unfortunately, Buffy was not embodied by Christy Swanson, by, but by some, like, 11-year-old snooty girl who, uh, you know, did not have anything else to do but go to the movies. Fair enough. Fair enough. While on Maui. That's the bad, that's, that's the really sad no part. No kidding. No kidding. Man. Okay, so shall we go just back and forth with our, our fun experiences? Let's do it. I'm going to go with the one that's probably the, the best experience in a bad movie, which would be Star Wars Episode One, mm. <laughs> Because this, <laughs> back in my day, because this is going to be my old man get off my lawn moment. Um, when Episode One came out, you couldn't buy tickets online yet. It was just starting to come around, and they wouldn't let you do it. So I camped out overnight a week ahead so I could buy tickets the next morning to see it the next week. And that was a heck of a fun experience with the fandom. You know, it got kind of weird because you had people like doing lightsaber battles and be like, no, no, I hit you on the arm. You can't use that arm anymore. And it was just kind of a little too far. But then like the guys right behind us in line had a full tent set up and they were watching like troops and all kind. They, they had they were they were camping out in style and it was a heck of a fun time. Got to hang out with some friends and just had had a blast doing it the next morning. You know, we had, we're being in Denver at the time. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the Scott Band, Five Iron Frenzy. Like, they came up, they're like, hey, can you buy, can you buy guys buy us tickets? And we're like, sure, no problem. You know, it was a heck of a good time. It's like the nerd Woodstock. Yeah, because it was seeing it on the, on the Cinema 70, the 70-inch screen at the, uh, the, uh, the, the, Continental. The Continental, yes. So, yeah. 
So they just put in the whole the new Dolby Digital EX surround sound system. Yeah. And yeah. How did the guy get the electricity for his tent? Did he have like a long cable? I think they had a generator or, or something. My gosh, it was it was hardcore. Wow. No, clearly. That's yeah, amazing, yeah, Dave. Yeah. It was impressive. It was impressive. But that was a fun time, you know, and we got up there. I got up there like two hours early to see the movie and went through it. And, you know, I saw the movie. But the experience going up to it was great. Very nice. <laughs> well, for me, one of the earliest uh, preview screenings I ever went to was when I was a freshman in college. My buddy, my good friend Mike Mitchell and I went to a preview screening of Mars Attacks a month before it was released. Nice. And so this is back when it was this hugely anticipated movie. We were so excited about this thing, and, and we got to see it. And the preview screening, I mean, it was rollicking. People were laughing hysterically the whole film. When it was over, there was a huge round of applause. We loved it. It was in a pretty complete state. I really don't remember any difference between the version we saw and the theatrical version. I think it was probably finished by then. But I remember a few months later, back in January, when it was when it had been in theaters for a while, and I took my buddy Shay and Ben to see it, and you know you could hear crickets in that theater. I was the <laughs> only one laughing, so I wondered like, was it is it just me? Is it just a specialty audience? You know, was everybody in that initial preview audience just insane? But I just remember like loving Mars Attacks so thoroughly, and then for the rest of my life, I've had to like yourself probably defend it. Mm-hmm. Really defending it. It's one of the few Tim Burton movies I legitimately love. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The interesting thing is that a lot of the experiences are when we haven't been spoiled on the experience. Like, there, there's a definite upside to us being able to go, go to preview screenings because it's essentially unspoiled territory. We haven't heard the buzz very much. We, we kind of get an inkling if people like it or not. But we haven't see, read the full reviews or anything like that, which helps a lot, I think. Comedies, it's it's difficult too, don't you find? Because like it's it's hard to gauge what people are really going to enjoy. Yeah, um, I remember seeing Austin, the first Austin Powers in an empty movie theater, empty, <laughs> and I thought it was hysterical. But I was the only one who saw it in that theater, so I thought maybe I'm the only one who finds it funny, you know. And then of course months later, everybody's quoting the film and whatnot. But you, it seems like you just never know what people are going to find funny. The Hangover Part Two, I saw it in a preview screening, people were laughing hysterically, and I think I laughed maybe twice during that whole film. Yeah, yeah, you, you never know. Speaking of comedies, you know, my dad and I used to go to comedies quite a bit when I was in high school, and there were two of them that just that just po- stuck out to me: Hot Shots, and What About Bob? I don't think the two of us laughed so hard in the theater together ever as nice. when we saw those two movies. It's just it's a lot of it's about who you go see the movie with too. Yeah, those are two you know? greats. Uh, the, wow, for both from the summer of 91, 20 years ago. Yeah, two great summer comedies. Yeah, outstanding comedies. We both yeah. saw we saw them both at the Tiffany Square Six when it was still a theater. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Been around here way too long. (laughs) No, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Let's see. My buddy Ben Bonnet, we went and saw Eyes Wide Shut the night it opened up at the Campus West Theater in Fort Collins, which unfortunately doesn't exist, but it was this really extraordinary movie theater you could clearly tell that it was one of these theaters that kubrick approved you know because okay. there's all this story about like you know kubrick would only allow the movie to be in theaters that he pers- personally like looked into and knew the history of and knew whether they had good sound and whatnot this th- it was a theater it was almost like a theater in the round kind of thing of the uh um kind of an old-fashioned movie theater where the curtains would part um, and a big, like, red velvet curtains. It was almost like the Silencio movie theater in Mulholland Drive, and it was like this really extraordinary film theater. And I remember as we walked into the theater, uh, the usher was taking our tickets, and we're like, have you seen it yet? And the usher's like, you know what? The projectionist saw it last night. He didn't think it was one of Kubrick's best films. Like, heck, does this guy know? And then the next thing the usher said to me was like, hey, but hey, have you seen Mystery Men yet? So <laughs> so we got into the theater, and I just, I remember when it was over, Ben and I just sat just in silence for a few minutes once the end credits rolled and we're like wow (laughs) I said I don't know I can't pretend to understand it but that's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life and we still feel that way we still talk about like how how amazing it was to see it that way and and to see it with a packed audience in that extraordinary theater Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, probably the most special experience I can remember excuse me is when I was a kid it was one of the few times we went to a movie like opening night and they gave us like a poster for the movie, like, hey, you want a poster? And we're like, okay, sure. You know, we're poor as dirt. I'll take anything for free, you know. But it was The Princess Bride. Oh, and, wow, man. And so that's seeing great. that on the big screen when I was a kid, that's why it's one of my favorite movies. Like, one of my fa- easily one of my favorite fantasy movies of all time. Because, again, I the kids at school weren't talking about it or anything, but we got to see it and we're like, this is a spectacular movie, <laughs> all from top to bottom. And I had that poster up in my room through, like, till we moved out of LA. Yeah. It's all, 
Yeah. Well, That's terrific. Such a special time. It's funny. Like, I remember the antithesis of that. Marty, I remember Marty telling me he went and saw Johnny Mnemonic, and they gave him <laughs> posters as they walked in. He said, like, by the second hour, they were having, like, lightsaber battles with their posters because <laughs> the movie was so bad. Like, I don't, I'm not going to put this up. Are you kidding me? But that's cool, man, because, like, a lot of people, they don't even remember The Princess Bride being in theaters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's one of those little movies that no one ever saw, you know? We saw War Games when I was a little kid. And my parents were like, well, they swore a lot, but that was a really cool movie. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't care about swearing. That's a cool movie. <laughs> it is. It's still great, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing uh, Superbad at the the premiere, uh, the Comic Con premiere at the Gas Lamp Theater in San Diego. That was a special experience because, of course, just a few aisles behind us was the cast. Yeah. And whenever something even remotely happened, remotely funny would happen, we would hear, you know, Seth Rogen's, you know, stoner bear cough, <laughs> you know, a uh, bear cough of a laugh, you know, because that's the kind of laugh he has. And we also hear, like, you know, McLovin and all that. Like, we hear those guys, like, talking behind us, and they were all there, including <laughs> Judd Apatow and the director and Christopher Mintz-Blast and Michael Sarah, And it was just a really special experience. And um, Nick Frost and Leslie Mann were also in the theater, too. <laughs> it was nice. just a really special experience to see it that way. A few nights later, uh, Josh and I returned to that theater, and we saw the premiere of Shoot 'em Up there, which was not as, as special. <laughs> not least, as special for you. Not for me. Yeah, for Josh, it was like seeing Citizen Kane. But for me, I'm like, God, this movie's so stupid. But um, no, no question. Um, if you get the chance to see a premiere of a film at the Gaslamp Theater at, at the San Diego, or just to go to that theater. That theater is legendary. It's a really quirky theater in, in terms of – did you get the chance to No, go? no. It's it's interesting. It's a. I recommend just seeing any movie there. In fact, I was there in January. I got to see uh, how How do you know there? And it's it's just a fascinating theater the way it's been structured. And anyway, uh, really amazing experience seeing Superbad there. And Superbad is still a favorite of mine and probably has a lot to do with the the way I saw it the first time. And speaking of that kind of special situation, you know, my my one lone truly happy and wonderful experience from first showing was going to the fountain. Mm. And I remember. We sat in the same theater to see that, and then it was followed up by For Your Consideration, which that felt so bad for that movie because it's like, just watch the freaking fountain. That's yeah. like throwing it, you know, being in drive and throwing it in reverse, reverse going 80 down the freeway. Mm-hmm. But going to the Kodak Theater, they gave us free popcorn and soda to go in, you know, all this stuff. And, and yes, it was it was special to have Aronofsky introduce the film. There's no sure. doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But then really having kind of like, like that, that almost... Not not on the same level as Tree of Life, but kind of like that church ch- church theater experience, yeah. where everyone's very quiet and reverent through the entire film, and you just kind of let the film wash over you. That was the first time I'd ever been to a movie that it felt like that, hmm. and it was it was a phenomenal phenomenal experience for me. That's so, cool. Yeah, yeah, I would I think I would have had that experience whether Aronofsky introduced it or not, but that was really cool too. And then you guys got to interview him and Jackman afterwards, right? Um. Yeah. It, well, it was roundtables. Roundtable. Gotcha. With with him, Jackman, Rachel Weisz. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was a heck of a good time. That's a heck of a table to be at. Yeah. Shoot. Well, they each they cycle through who came to the table and stuff. Okay. So yeah, yeah. That that whole trip was fun. I'm not gonna lie. Seeing Stranger Than Fiction on the big the big Cinerama dome at the uh, Arc Light and yeah, seeing Bug with Friedkin there and that was an interesting experience. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you stay awake for that though? Because I remember no, I fell asleep during it. I, and I then I woke up and I was like, "What the?" Because I thought both of you guys fell asleep during that. No, he was. He was. He, Alex was all up and enjoying it. And I was. I woke up at some point with like ants or weird stuff crawling across the screen. I'm just like, "What the <laughs> was that?" Nice. Yeah. Uh, seeing uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World at the Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas, last summer. Uh, that was a special, a special experience. That was my first time going to the Alamo Draft House, and it really is one of the mecca. Just mecca of movie theaters, and it's a just a special experience. The art direction of that place, and, and the policies, the food was fantastic, the service was fantastic. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just a perfect experience, and it was the perfect way to see that film because, as I told you before, it started. They had short films up, and they had you know st- interviews with with Edgar Wright up there. They just uh, they made sure that, that it was a special experience, and they delivered. Right on. Kind of like going to the Watching Hour stuff up at uh, Stars. Yes, yes. Yeah, Keith Garcia, the programmer of the Watching Hour in Denver, man. Yeah, whenever, whatever the movie is, whether it's total crap or whether it's something like you've always wanted to see in the big screen, he uh, does a great job of introducing the film and having short, either short films or TV episodes or trailers before oh, the movie. Oh, man. Well, one of those we went to, there was just some, I think it was, was it Troll 2? It was. It was when Best Worst Movie and Troll 2 came to the theater after the thing. And the stuff he was showing before Troll 2, it, it broke everyone's brain. It was, what? 
and the UHF part pizza party I remember you talking about too. And yeah, yeah, well, the, yeah, the, yeah. The UHF pizza party. There was a Nightmare on Elm Street three pizza party I went to uh, where they made a whole room look like Elm Street, which was crazy. And they showed the I think it was the Indian version, the Indian remake of Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street, which is very bizarre because it's a musical. And uh, kid you not. And then I think the best one that he did that I've been to anyway was Nightmares, the anthology movie that Will Wheaton also likes that I'm a big fan of. Um, before the film started, Keith showed a few episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Um, excuse me, yeah, Tales from the Crypt, the HBO series, and then he showed the trailers for Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, and Creepshow, and yeah, that's I mean, cool. He just he really puts you in the right frame of Is mind. Is he doing anything for I Am Nancy next week? I don't know. Oh, um, other than just just Heather Langenkamp being yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond that, I don't, I don't know. Okay, okay, I'm I'm kind of tempted to go. We're all gonna go, so yeah, we should all go. Are you? Yeah, yeah. The Greens, oh, kidding, the Greens, and everybody, we're all like going. just like after work, head mm-hmm. on up. Yep. Oh, we might have to do. We that. We should do that. It's Heather Langenkamp, man. It's oh, Nancy. Yeah. It's yeah, Nancy. I might have to do that. I might have to do that. Okay, I've only got a couple left, and these okay. were kind of like a little bit. I got an example of, of, of two times. One was in, in junior high. We used to go to the Northridge Mall in L.A. You might know it as the theater, as the mall, like in 1992 or whatever, that they kept showing pictures of it being completely collapsed. That's the mall. Uh-huh. Um, but we used to go catch movies on the, the weekend after it opens, like the second weekend. You know, uh, Hunt for October, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all that stuff. And I remember going with my best friend to see Arachnophobia. And I, we haven't had, I've, the other movie I'm going to mention is the only other time I've had so much fun trying to make my friend jump scare because the movie's so creepy the whole way through. Right, yeah. It was such a blast. Like you, when you can go and have fun with your friends like that and not being annoying to everyone around you, it's awesome. <laughs> that movie's still scary. Yeah. It's still scary. I, I think it It's creepy crawly. That's really the best way I can put it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then the other one is uh, Scream, the original Scream. My buddy and I were like, okay, we've heard all this stuff about it. Really not supposed to since we're in leadership at church. <laughs> Screw it. Let's go see it. And that was so much fun because people were laughing and hooting and hollering and screaming. and free- It was just a blast. And a moment of rebellion for you. Yes. Oh, several. <laughs> one of several. Okay, one of many. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, a, th- a theater, uh, speaking of theaters that no longer exist, there was a movie theater my brother and I used to love very much. Um, it was in Reno, Nevada, at the Bally's Hotel. Bally's has since been refurbished, bought, and it doesn't exist in the way it used to. But there used to be this hotel called Bally's, and the rug for this place used to be, it used to look like it was covered with graffiti, a really vibrant place. This was a, a casino. But there was also lots of things there for young people to do. One of them, on the bottom floor of Bally's, they had this thing called the Keystone Cinema. And it was this full, fully running movie theater. It was an art house theater. And my huh. brother and I, yeah, like our, our grandma, our gra- my late wonderful grandma Flo, she would go there to gamble. And she's like, do you guys want to go to the movies while grandma gambles? Like, yeah, sure, I'd love to. Well, like she gave us some money, go to this theater. And, you know, it's all these like, you know, it was like Goodfellas and Henry and June. It's like, well, what are we, like we were like 11 years old. What are we going to see? <laughs> so when we saw this film, we didn't know what the heck it was. It was called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Okay. This is the first time we'd ever seen a movie with Gary Oldman and Timothy and Tim Roth, and the one the one name in the cast we knew, of course, was Richard Dreyfuss. Marty and I had never encountered Hamlet before, and mm-hmm. it's you know it's Hamlet from the point of view of these side characters. It's this really delicious and dark and weird and strange art film and we freaking loved it and this theater it was spectacular it was one of the first times we ever went to a a theater that had like plush seats it was like sitting in an easy boy chair watching a movie Mm -hmm. and it was just like so incredibly fancy and the following summer uh, visiting grandma I said like shoot I want to go back to that theater because that theater was just magical and amazing and I went to see the player on that theater and you know to see a movie about Hollywood just see a movie about movies in that theater it was just so magical and amazing and uh, I was I want this anecdote really quickly one of the, the great things that my grandmother did for me she knew how much I loved that hotel and how I said like I love the rug of that hotel you know because it looked uh-huh. like graffiti you know graffiti and confetti all over the floor well when they were tearing it down and refurbishing it my grandma actually went there and got a square of the rug for me really and sent it to me in the mail. yeah like I had this huge square of like Bally's rug in my room for years and years and years that's cool yeah she was a cool cat that's very cool of course the rug had probably you know, because it was a casino, probably been like stepped on and vomited yeah, on. Yeah, you really don't want to think. Don't put too much thought into it. Don't put too much thought. I remember like looking at it, like like, oh wow, this rug, and I'm like petting it. I'm like, hmm, should probably like disinfect my hand now. But <laughs> yeah. still, one of the coolest things I've ever gotten. Or <laughs> on the carpet, square through the washing machine. Or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have it dry clean. Yeah, uh, you know, you you had to go and bring up the rebellion thing, didn't you? Because I remember at one point there was another <laughs> movie I saw on the big screen. Okay. Uh, one, one, of my, one of my good buddies, Todd, uh, he was one of my groomsmen, he and I were like, you know, I'm just going to take some time off. Let's go up. We're going to go hang out at Dave & Buster's and we'll go catch a movie. You know, I won like stuff like a four foot tall Garfield or something. You know, it's really cool. 
And then we went to the Mayan to see Requiem for a Dream. Wow. Yeah, that was a fun thing to see on a happy, sunshiny <laughs> afternoon. It, it's The reason it sticks out in my mind so much is I, I don't know that I've ever seen a film or the trailers beforehand that were such a visual barrage on you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really something that Requiem for a Dream is still a powerful film no matter how you see it. Yeah. But there's nothing quite like seeing it on the big screen. Mm. I mean, I know the next day I went out and bought the soundtrack because it was just so phenomenal. It was yeah. one of those things that, like, you know, this was, again, back in the early days of Ain't It Cool, Harry's like, kids, ditch school and go see this movie. You need <laughs> to see this movie. And, you know, it, it was truly a magical experience in a very twisted and messed up way, but it was, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. A, it's a powerful, it's an experience. You're right. I saw it at the same theater. Yeah. Um, probably around the same time. I went to, uh, this is before I was, uh, whatever, legitimate film critic, whatever you want to call it. This is before I was, you know, a member of the all that stuff. So I would, I was in college and I would get those little passes, you know, the West yeah. word. Yeah. So I like, that's how I got to see Requiem. I got a passes for it. And I took my buddy, uh, uh, Jeff to see it. And yeah, we were, uh, we were pretty floored by it. Yeah. But no, speechless afterwards. but no, you're right though. I mean, like it's, uh, seeing that film, not only in that theater, which is one of the great movie theaters, the mine is a magical place. It really is incredible. Um, but yeah, that seeing that film, in that big screen, it's uh, it, it, it smacks you across the face. It, <laughs> it really, really does. It, it really, really does. does. Yeah. I think that's about all I've got. Do you have any more you want to bring up? Just a couple. Okay. Uh, speaking of Mr. Aronofsky, uh, when you and I saw Black Swan at the L.A. Conkins <laughs> Opera House in Denver when, when last Julia year. Julia thought I hated the movie. <laughs> well, you know. It, it, Understandably. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it you know, I, I'm not one to trust knee-jerk reactions, but sometimes knee-jerk reactions are perfect, and your reaction to that film was perfect. It's like, I mean, it, it's a shock. I didn't know what to say. It's a shocking <laughs> film. Um, but I, I don't think I could ever watch it again. Because yep. the first time we saw it was so amazing. Yeah, so it was like, you know, it was the it was the three of us, and then I sat next to one of my favorite people, Robert Dennerstein, who writes for Dennerstein Unleashed and used to write for the Rocky Mountain News, great film critic. Uh, yeah, it was just this magical experience seeing that at the Opera House. And it was just so, just so fun to, like, you know, half the people in the audience, like, laughing uncomfortably or digging it or, like, really, really uncomfortable yeah. at this spectacular Opera House. <laughs> there were some very uncomfortable moments in that. Yeah, day. so thank you, Mr. Aronofsky, for continuing to horrify us with your with your cinematic genius. In a genius. glorious way, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, just a few more for me, really. Uh, I saw Lethal Weapon 3 at the Champagne premiere on Maui, uh, which was really cool. The stars were not there. I believe one of the producers, and it was not Joel Silver, but one of the producers was there. And I got to see it quite some time before it was released theatrically. So that was cool. It was the Champagne premiere. I was way too young to be drinking champagne, but like some executive came to me, yeah, have some champagne, young man. I'm like, sweet. So, <laughs> Score. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my father was there with me. He's like, yeah, go ahead, drink some champagne. It's a movie premiere. We don't do this often. And yeah, it was a really cool experience. Um, Let's see. Roger Rabbit. Remember waiting in line at least two hours to see Roger Rabbit when it played at the Holiday Theater? Because this is when Maui only had two movie theaters. You know, it was a big deal when Roger Rabbit came to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. So very, very long line waiting to see Roger Rabbit. That was just incredible. Uh, I already, I've, I've talked many times about how, like, it was such a bonding experience. My father took me to see my first R-rated movie in the theater, which was Die Hard 2 at the Lahaina Cinema. Nice. Um, magical bonding experience seeing Die Hard 2. And then finally, last but I'll mention, uh, this, this past summer, there's nothing like getting an email uh, inviting you to, to see The Tree of Life in the same day it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, that was amazing. That's pretty spiffy, yeah. That was amazing, yeah. That was it was that uh, it was that particular morning. In fact, I think I still have my. Do you still have the email? I have. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah. Let's see. Ah, there it is. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Wow. The morning of yeah. Can you get in this in the mail? Monday, May sixteenth at ten a.m. at the at the pavilions. Yeah, it's the it, Fox Searchlight invites you to just exclusive advanced screening. You have to understand, listeners, like. Tree of Life has been, you know, like how a lot of people felt before The Phantom Menace came out or, I mean, this was like one I've been waiting for for so long and it was just like the greatest Christmas present ever. And then you had to see Pirates of the Caribbean that Later night. that day, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you, you saw me that evening at that screening and uh, and Robert Dennerstein again, we're sitting by each other and we could not stop talking about The Tree Everyone of Life. Everyone who went and, to it, Brian Critch from over at... Uh, right, yeah, the, right, yeah, that's right. Dailyblame.com. Yeah, yeah, from from Dailyblame, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were still talking about Tree of Life and we got to sit and through I'm this. I'm sitting there like... Oh. We, you know, poor Dave, you know, we're all like, we got to sit through this stupid Captain Jack Sparrow movie that we don't want to see. We just want to watch the Tree of Life. And by the end of it, my dad was like, I might want to see that Tree of Life movie. <laughs> it just... Yeah, yeah, didn't mean to be so obnoxious about it. But yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah, no question. That was, that was special. That was really special. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like seeing the movie you're dying to see more than any other in a way that's just like perfect. There's something about the theater that gives you communal experience. Mm-hmm. And really, that's why I think that theaters are still have some life in them. 
if they keep milking 3D, sure, it's going away because 3D is a joke for the most part. It really is. It's, it's a gimmick that's not it's not there yet as a technology. But when you get the right experience, there's nothing quite like it. Do you still go to the drive-ins? The, I've never you, been to a. I've been to a been drive-in. To, okay, we've been to drive-ins like when I was really, really, really young, like too young to remember. So I have not been to Pueblo yet. I need to at some point, but there just hasn't been anything. I've been like, okay, is it worth the drive down there, sit oh, through yeah. two movies, and drive back? I'm Definitely. like, Definitely, yes, it is, Dave. I swear to God, it is. It it takes less time to drive down there than it does to one of our Denver theaters for one. Well, yeah, and, and you know you got Bingo Burger, which is like one of the best burgers in Colorado, amazing. And then you get to the theater, and yeah, it's it's this this theater, the Mesa Verde, the excuse me, the Mesa Drive-in in Pueblo. It's been there since 1951. The concession is really cheap. In between the movies, they've got all the let's go, go to the snack. <laughs> really? They've got those old, <laughs> old, old school commercials and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, you got to go. You'll love okay, it. Okay, okay. We'll do that next summer. Okay, I will go at some point. Right I even on. told the manager, I'm like, shoot, when you guys get Battleship, I am there. Because <laughs> I'm not seeing Battleship in some prestige theater now. I'm going to go to the drive-in to see Battleship. You want to go see the landmark Greenwood? Come no, on. Absolutely not. No, I will see Battleship in like the most... The most the, well, perfect. If we, if we had grindhouse theaters, well, okay, no, yeah, drive yeah. in, drive in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, but we do have those. We do have a few uh, grindhouse theaters, no question. I mean, the theater yeah. that Roxy and Josh saw Midnight Me Train yeah. on Colfax. <laughs> that's a, that's a scary place. Well, it's a dollar theater too. So yeah, All right. it is. So yeah, if you want to use any emails, let us know what, what, what some of your favorite experiences are because it's there's really something cathartic about sharing these special experiences with with other film geeks. So um. What's coming out this week that we might want that might get us that same kind of experience? I'm so doubting that's going to happen, though. Well, I can't talk about it, although I've seen this film. Although I just want to make a point to say that of all the films coming out this week, uh, I made a point to make sure I mentioned this one first: Moneyball, starring Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, I'm not talking about the film, but uh, I'm mentioning it first. So please take that as some kind of a hint. This is the new film from the director of Capote. It also stars Philip Seymour Hoffman and Jonah Hill. Also released: um, Abduction. Starring Taylor Lautner. Sir Taylor Lautner. Sir Taylor Lautner. Yeah, this yeah. is the first film in years from John Singleton. John Singleton, of course, the director of Boys in the Hood, as well as in many Posse other. Posse and Solo. We, uh, well, no, it's actually, you're actually thinking of Mario Van Peebles. So. Oh, I am. My bad. That's my okay. Bad. I'm oh, impressed. my bad. I'm impressed. You remember Posse and Solo. I'm very impressed, oh, Dave. Oh, Seriously. I, I, I can't. You're unse- a fan of Mario Van Peebles? I can't unsee Solo. <laughs> that movie was so awful. I'm like, oh, it's got the guy who played Kano in, in Mortal Kombat. How bad could this be? <laughs> Oh, boy, did I find out. But have you yeah. seen New Jack City? I have not. That's a good film. That's also Mario Van Peebles. New okay. Jack City's good. My bad. My it's too bad. bad you've seen like the two like Mario Van Peebles, and you've also seen Highlander 3, right? <sighs> God, you've seen like the worst you Mario Van You had to Van... remind me of that. You remember, you've seen the crap Mario Van Peebles movies. you got to see New Jack City. That's a good movie. So, He's so, in that so, one, too. So those are the Mario Van Peebles equivalents of, uh, of Marky Mark movies? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. because he, he did one great movie, and it's New Jack City. Everything else, I like him, too. I like him. He's very appealing, but... Uh, no. Solo, okay. no, no. Okay, sorry. So anyway, Abduction, first yes. movie that John Singles has done in a while. Um, what's her name? Sig- Sigourney Weaver's in this. Yeah. Some good people yeah. are in this. And I got to say, it was a good-looking There's trailer. There's some great it's actors. Just, it's just a and shame. It's just, yeah, it's a shame that he is in it. So, so approach with caution. In 3D as well as 2D, Dolphin Tale, starring Ashley Judd and Morgan Freeman and Harry Connick Jr. Okay. I guess for those of you it looks who harmless. haven't seen Free Willy in 15 years, well, or the Flipper, or, or Flipper. Yeah. Have you seen the Flipper with Elijah Wood? No, I never saw it. It was Elijah Wood and Paul Hogan. I didn't see it, but uh, I gotta no, say, can't say I I'm kind of curious. Kind of curious. Someone has to be. And then also in release, this this is one of these like it, it could go either way. You got Robert De Niro, Clive Owen, and Jason Statham in the same movie. This is Killer Elite. Didn't this like where did this premiere at Venice? Was it? Did it? Yeah. Oh. Like that's, people are like seriously. That's pretty hoity-toity for <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. Whoever yeah. was reviewing it was getting was finding endless amounts of enjoyment by having all these stuffed shirts watching a Jason Statham movie. This is just a shame because like you know when I was a kid and you know this Dave it's like De Niro whenever he was in a movie it's like this is something we need to see because it's events. Robert De Niro hasn't been that way in a while. Has and then it? Stardust <laughs> happened. I love it. I, I thought he was funny in Stardust, but then Stardust happened and people are like really. De Niro, really? I think if I were to guess, so that's a that's a good one. That's one of the better examples. I mean, I, I think the movie that he did that was a mistake. Although I wouldn't say Star Dust is necessarily a mistake, but I think when things started to go downhill was Rocky and Bullwinkle. 
Okay, yeah. yeah. That that'd be my pick for like just Boris, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, because like he did meet the parents and you know, like doing that movie just once, I think would have been fine. And it was a huge hit and it showed that he had a sense of humor about himself and he'd do comedy. Good for him, because Pacino never got never got got any any luck with comedy, but like yeah, he did freaking freaking he did that movie and then then Showtime with Eddie Murphy oh, and yeah. yeah, I mean some really and like right before all that, he did Whack the Dog, which was brilliant. Right. Which right. I still need to buy on DVD. I don't know why I don't own it yet. I think yeah. I'm waiting for it to hit Blu-ray, but I think it's a catalog title and those don't do that well. So That's a shame. We I miss you, De Niro. We miss you, Bobby. You're good. You're one of the best. Why are you making movies that kill her late? In limited release, you've got Machine Gun Preacher, which certainly you and I have I'm, shared a lot of interest about. I, I've seen the trailer and... If it wasn't a, a true story, I'd be like, there's no way I'm going to watch this movie. Right. This isn't plausible even a little bit. But to know it's a true story, I'm like, okay, this is so out there. I am I am hooked. I mean, and this is a Gerard Butler movie I'm interested in seeing. Let's just get that out there. I, how long has it been since I've said something like that? 300? I, even Back then, in I was 2007. Like, yeah, yeah, something like that, I guess, maybe. But yeah, it's like, this looks promising. It could suck, but I'm going to go to the preview. I think Phantom of the Opera was the last time I really wanted to see a Gerard Butler. I didn't even know who he was when he did that film. Yeah, now you say, yeah, Gerard Butler was the Phantom. You're like, no. <laughs> no, like, he wouldn't do that, a good movie like that. Well, no, it's like, but he can act so well and he sings so well. And yeah. That can't be him. <laughs> like, I, you don't want to say that in a mean way, but that's what it seems like. Well, no, you're right, Dave. I mean, last few years we've had, what, The Ugly Truth, which was dreadful. P.S. I Hate You. P.S. I Hate You, which I yeah, that sums it up for me. Uh, Law Abiding Citizen, which is... I'm no, yeah, stinkers, yeah. stinkers all across the board. Indeed. And then finally, also in limited release, we've certainly talked about this movie enough. The flawed but occasionally great Kevin Smith's Red State. Yeah, that's. I'm curious to see what the. I, I don't think this is going to do well. <laughs> I really don't. I almost feel like he should have released this thing like back when I saw it back in March. It seems like like the fire for this thing really has gone well, away. But it's kind of a horror movie, so releasing it close. Well, no, it's not even in October though. So yeah, yeah. this is kind of. Yeah, if this was like going up against Paranormal Activity 3, I'd say, okay, this is this is like the alternative horror film. But no, I mean, it's going to be, what, on DVD by the time Halloween comes around or like around that? Yeah, I I don't see it doing well at the box office. I just don't. I think it's an, a, a different enough and odd enough movie. I, I don't trust Joe Sixpack's pack enough to actually enjoy it. Well, not only that, I mean, there is that. You know, you're right. It's 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 a, it's tricky to figure out like who the audience for this thing would be. But, but the, of course, the other question is, because of the way Smith decided to promote the film, plus VOD mm-hmm. and Amazon Instant Watch, it's like it's almost like everyone who wants to see it will have seen it. By yes, now. exactly. The diehards who really want to see this because, like, um, I, I was s- interested, but I wasn't seventy-five bucks interested. Right. At what turned out at ten bucks, which turned out to be a dollar for me, I'm okay with that because I get to watch it at home. I'm in the comfort of my own, of my own home theater system and all that stuff and. I don't have to wait for it to come out in theaters, but exactly. Ten years ago, Smith actually did a. They actually did a sneak preview of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, like the weekend before it opened. They had a special sneak preview, like for everybody to go see, and that movie still opened. But this feels like you know this is taking too much air out of the tires. I just yeah. feel like there's too many opportunities to see this thing, except the way it's meant to be seen on the big screen. Now, had they, I mean, if you're gonna do this, you might as well go the, the gimmick route a little bit as far as your release date. Release it close to election day. Sure. Release it on Easter. You know, right. Do something just to really mess with people. Right. Sure. I think it, it, I think it would get more more box office out of it. But. Right. But now it's like another September film. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so interesting week this week. It is. It yeah. is. All right. And then on DVD next week, what do we got coming out? We've got. It's better the, than this week, I think, for the most part. Yeah. 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 Though we're starting off with a Michael Bay film, and <laughs> not not any Michael Bay film, mind you. Transformers: Dark of the Moon. <sighs> Starring Shia LaBeouf and wonderful actors like John Malkovich, Francis McDormand, John Turturro, and Patrick Dempsey. And all Alan Tudyk. And Alan Tudyk, that's right. Yeah. Man, man. Yeah. He seems like he was the one who had the most fun on the film. Like, he <laughs> I, was just screwing I around. I hope so. I hope somebody had fun making that movie. Yeah, yeah. Also being released Well, and, 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 and Michael Bay's cameraman, probably. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, how close can you get to her derriere without actually... Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Ridiculous. And in 3D, nonetheless. Mimic, the director's <laughs> cut. Uh, this is, of course, Guillermo del Toro's first big studio film, if I remember correctly. Of course, mm-hmm. from Through Dimension Films. This is with uh, Mira Servino. Very good film, I thought. I really enjoyed this. I haven't seen it. 
You've never seen it? I haven't. It's good. I need to. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I highly recommend. Yeah. About killer mutated cockroaches. It's great. And they're giant and they fly through the air. Yeah. It's cool. Nice. It's okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not Pan's Labyrinth, but it's pretty great. I think it's a solid film. Right on. Cool. Let's see. The 50th anniversary of Ben Hur, one of the all time great epics. I love Ben Hur. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great film. It's a fine film. If I had to choose between Ben Hur and the Ten Commandments, I would never watch the Ten Commandments again. I think Ben Hur yeah. is a solid oh, yeah. film. Yeah, easily. Ten Commandments was really great when I was like nine or ten, you know, and like wow, these Sunday school stories coming to life. Now it's, it's kind of like, it's like right. the people go. Now it's kind of like It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas. Yeah. It's the a, Ten it, Commandments at Easter. It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas. Like Those, those are like the two. Yeah, yeah, it's cliche, and you got all the famous people in it. Like, nah, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, so Ben-Hur, 50th anniversary, that's that's going to be great. Um, you and I were talking about this earlier. Like, my gosh, where has this series gone? Season one and two of The Monkees. Yes. Wow. It used to be out. It went out of print and then it was like 80 to 130 dollars or something like that a season and it's getting re-released i don't know if it's, it's probably shot factory or someone doing it for like it's like 36 bucks a season which is still a lot for a dvd set but it's the monkeys yeah and it's, it's cheaper than, and it's cheaper than buying the out of print version so mm. yeah I, I i'm probably gonna run it on netflix just to see if it still holds up for the fun i remember it being probably won't hold up <laughs> no probably not no <laughs> well, it might be a little dated <laughs> just a little I, I can't remember if it was the disney channel or or nickelodeon it was nickelodeon ran. was it nickelodeon yeah i used yeah. to watch this all the time as a kid i, I enjoyed it it, it, it even looking back on it, it seems like it's like two steps above gilligan's island as far as the wacky factor but it did have that psychedelia mod feel of like a Beatles movie, you know? And obviously, times, that, yeah. obviously that's what they were trying to do, too. So, like, yeah, some of it was, like, kind of ingenious, and some of it was just cheese. Yeah. yeah. But still, I, I'm going to check it out for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, likewise. I'm curious. How does it hold up? Uh, let's see. The original Mother's Day. Um, I wish I could say nice things about this because Lloyd Kaufman's brother directed it. Um, but you can't. In fact, his brother's name is Charles Kaufman, but not the same Charles Kaufman. Uh-huh, and this is a trauma release, and you know I want to get behind trauma because I love trauma. It is fully independent, and and Kaufman is the king of of independent film. But I don't like Mother's Day. I really don't okay. like this movie. I think it's really, really unpleasant. Um, I think it's even more unpleasant than Wes Craven's Last House on the Left, and that's saying wow. quite a bit. Yeah, you're not a fan a, of that movie at all. Because no, I'm not a fan. I'm definitely not a fan of Mother's Day. I'm curious to see the remake because, in spite of the reviews I've heard, I've heard apparently that Rebecca De Mornay is very good in it, and I mm-hmm. love anything she does uh, most of the time. But anyway, this is the original Mother's Day, so approach with caution, I'd say, even yep. though, you know, my, the extras might be interesting because Trauma, Indeed. they always pile on the extras. Basket Case, the, Marty's a big fan of this one. The original Basket Case, I've never seen this. This is yeah, about, right. the, about the the twins in a, in a basket, apparently, and they're mutated and creepy and disgusting. And Cool. Yeah, I need to see this. I need This is one of those horror films. I would, Like this one in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, I keep having people telling me, like, you need to see it, Barry, but I have not. Maybe next month. Maybe next month. Ideal timing. And then finally... This one's for you, Jack. <laughs> Just for Jack. Just for Jack. Dawson's Creek, the complete series. Now, it's already been released, but it's the complete series. It's like 40 bucks on Amazon, which almost tr- triggers my why the heck not <laughs> threshold. It's still a little bit, you know, still for some. But if someone wanted to like donate us a copy or two to us, we would totally go through and do an episode on it. I'm just gonna. If someone were to give us the the box set, then maybe we look at it. No, no, no. There's no maybe. If they did, no, we'd, we'd do an episode or two on it. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'll just say it. <laughs> but I was like, wow. Dawson's Creek. I think it's like five or six seasons for forty bucks. That really isn't bad, honestly. Yeah, I've got a friend who owns it like on VHS. I think. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Dawson's Creek. There you go. There you go. Do you remember when uh, James Vanderbeek did the Rules of Attraction and like completely ruined his teen fan base? Yes, it was beautiful. Yeah, because I liked his performance in that movie. For that matter, I liked the movie, but I just remember him being on the cover of magazines. And I swear, after that movie, you never saw him on the cover of a magazine again because no one wanted to see Dawson as like this alcoholic, narcissistic, rapist, college monster. Except for people like us. Yeah, who like, man, the guy has talent. He's got he has range. He's got range, yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, like, you know, teenagers like no we love him as dawson and that We're was that varsity was blues yeah varsity blues oh gosh yeah <laughs> when they, yeah that movie's just awful. why okay. did he go away because like i thought clearly from rules of attraction he's got more let's he's just a say fine actor i think more so than like paul walker or like a lot of other guys who are like big during his time that that are much but not bigger joshua now. jackson no one's as big as joshua jackson exactly okay. no one just want to make sure no you get that out there get that no out one's there. as big as pacey yeah wow the star of the skulls I didn't mind the skulls. I minded the skulls. That was such a stupid movie. But, you know, Paul Walker was actually good in that. He was in that? Yeah, he was like yeah. The, the nemesis in that. Okay. I, 
I've only watched it the once. I didn't hate it. That's what I, I watched it once, and I did hate it. Fair <laughs> enough. That was, that was it for me. Fair enough. All right. Well, if you want to shoot us an email with some feedback, by all means, you can email us at podcastberrydave or ethan all at screengeeks.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 719-695-0706. We do have that voicemail contest going if you want to leave us a message or just leave us something in general. That's all cool. We love we love getting mail. Um, just want to leave us a prank phone call. We'll, we'll dude, listen. We hey, might air it, but we'll listen to it. Hey, when, when, when Michael Bay called us, that was special. <laughs> Or yeah, or when Eli Roth called us, that was that was spectacular. Yeah. We miss those guys. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but let that contest run a couple more weeks, and uh, yeah. But I guess you want to talk about next week's episode. What are we doing next week? Twin Peaks. Oh, that's right, Twin Peaks. I'm cranking through it. That's why I haven't talked about anything because I've been mostly trying to get through that series. I don't know if I'll get to Firewalk with me in time, but we will see. Do you care who killed Laura Palmer? Are you intrigued at least? Or? Um, I'm getting there. The show kind of starts off... The, the the pilot I thought was really good. The second yeah. episode was kind of slow. The third one, though, you're going to get to the dancing monks... Uh, the dancing... Midgets? Uh, little person. Little person. Sorry. Trying the dancing dwarf. The dancing dwarf. Thank you. There you go. go. The man there from another go. place. So, are you intrigued at least? Or? I am. I am. I'm interested to see where this goes. Dude, sure. who do you think killed Laura Palmer? I have no idea yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just ask. Yeah, I mean, I have a very definite... Actually, I guess I do. Who is it? Who do you think did it? It seems to me it's got to be the boyfriend. Mm. As of right now. I'm sure it's going to change between now and then. Well, good. Well, no, I'm glad to hear that. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, so cool. we will see. Um, but until then, when we talk about the, the, the Lynchian madness, this is Dave. This is Barry. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.